What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello and thank you very much for listening in to Chapter 12, Volume 3, Monster the Clubhouse, the final episode in this particular series, the series on Scandal. So, just picking up on where we left off, obviously the Mets had just won their second World Series in 1986. Before delving into the aftermath of that World Series and the careers then of Gooden and Strawberry, it's important that I just discuss the culture in baseball in the 80s. Baseball was in its pomp in the 80s in America. Baby boomers who grew up viewing baseball as a graying, archaic instrument of the establishment had aged and mellowed from the rebellious youth, and they were now likely to be seasoned ticket holders at their local ballpark. These were hardly power-driven yuppies trying to impress, but merely people trying to reconnect with something they lost and longed to return to them. To them, baseball was the perfect metaphor. The national pastime was in again its nostalgic value at an all-time high. Memorabilia sales boomed. Trading cards were given the same financial credence as mutual funds. Movie goers lined up to see one hit baseball flick after another, including The Natural, Eight Men Out, Bill Durham and The Field of Dreams. Spike Lee exhibited baseball hip by wearing an unbuttoned Jackie Robinson Brooklyn Dodgers jersey in Do the Right Thing and rocker John Fogarty who raged against the machine in the 60s with Creedence Clearwater Revival now wistfully sang of playing centre field. Baseball's renewal was hardly the result of collateral interests. Major league executives were preached the gospel of effective corporate sponsorship by Commissioner Pete Erbroth who floored the world by steering the 1984 Summer Olympics in LA to staggering financial success. With a tradition be damned attitude, Orbrot spawned baseball's folksy long-time corporate relationship and put bids for just about anything out to the highest bidder. Such new and profitable streams of revenue became more and more necessary as player payrolls showed no signs of ending the meteoric ascent. On the surface, baseball between the lines seemed to be living a relatively benign and peaceful existence, the 1981 player strike notwithstanding. Dynasties gave way to diversity. One decade before, only eight teams made it to a World Series. In the 1980s, 14 different teams applied, with only one multiple winner, the LA Dodgers of 1981 and 1988. Two virtually different teams featuring only a few players who could say they played for both. But under the game's rediscovered homespun veneer lay a dark underbe- underbelly of corrupted excess and abuse. The owners, smarting from a succession of labour losses, illicitly took matters into their own hands late in the decade, where they conspired to keep salaries down by refusing to sign other teams' free agents. The plot worked so well, it became obvious what was up. An investigation soon led to evidence that found the Lords guilty, and they paid heavily for it. As if collusion wasn't enough, 
The players dealt with demons from within, as their increased riches led to the spectre of widespread drug abuse. A non-stop parade of players fell under the spell of addiction, with the roll call leading like a virtual all-star team. Dave Parker, Keith Hernandez, Lonnie Smith, Tim Raines, Willie Wilson, Lamar Hoyt and Daryl Porter, among many others. The ultimate poster boy for these troubled times was Steve Howe, a rookie of the year to start the decade and an out-of-work cocaine addict to end it, with six suspensions from baseball behind him and a seventh to come in 1991. By and large, baseball's endemic culture of recreational drug use would fade out in the 90s, however this would be replaced by another that embraced performance enhancement. However, I digress. Returning to the 86 Mets, they had just won the World Series, but in an early red flag, Gooden, deemed by many as the star of the World Series, failed to attend the team's victory parade. He would admit after his retirement that during the parade, he had been using drugs at his dealer's apartment. Gooden was then arrested on December 13, 1986 in Tampa, Florida, after being assaulted by police. A report clearing police of misconduct in the arrest helped start the Tampa riots of 1987. Rumours of substance abuse began to arise. These rumours were confirmed when Gooden tested positive for cocaine during spring training in 1987. He entered a rehabilitation centre on April 1st, 1987 to avoid being suspended and did not make his first start of the season until June 5th. Despite missing a third of the season, Gooden won 15 games for the 1987 Mets. In 1988, he was profiled in the William Goldman and Mike Lupka book, Wait Till Next Year, which looked at the impact Gooden's drug use and enforced missed games had on the Mets over the 1987 season. In 1988, Gooden recorded an 18-9 record as the Mets returned to the postseason. In the first game of the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers, Gooden was matched against Oral Hersher, who had just finished the regular season with a 59-inning scoreless streak. Gooden pitched well, allowing just four hits and recording 10 strikeouts, but left after seven in- innings, trailing 2-0. In game four, Gooden entered the ninth inning with a 4-2 lead and the chance to give his Mets a commanding 3-1 advantage in the series but he allowed a, ga- a game-tying home run to Mike Scioscia, and the Dodgers eventually went on to win the game in 12 innings, and the series as well. Four games to three. Gooden suffered a sol- shoulder injury in 1989, which reduced him to a 9-4 record in 17 starts. He rebounded in 1990, posting a 19-7 season with 223 strikeouts, second only, only to teammate Dave Cohn's 233. However, after another injury in 1991, Gooden's career declined significantly. Though drug abuse is commonly blamed for Gooden's pitching troubles, some analysts point to his early workload. It has been estimated that Gooden threw over 10,800 pitches from 1983 to 1985, a period in which he was just 18 to 20 years old. Gooden hurled 276 innings in his historic 1985 season, 
as of the end of the 2007 season, only two subsequent pitchers have thrown that many innings. Charlie Ha, a knuckleballer, and Roger Clemens, both in 1987. By the time he reached his 21st birthday, Gooden had already accumulated 928 strikeouts between the minor and major leagues. On August 9th, 1990, Phillies pitcher Pat Coombs struck Gooden in the knee with the first pitch on the bottom of the fifth inning. Gooden, seeing the pitch as retaliation for him having hit two Phillies batters, charged the mound, setting off a bench-clearing brawl. Gooden was one of six players ejected. And towards the end of 1991, Gooden was accused of rape, along with teammates Vince Coleman and Darrell Boston in 1991. However, charges were never pressed. 1992 was Gooden's first ever losing season. It was also the first time he had lost as many as 10 decisions. 1993 was no improvement as Gooden finished 12-15 and 15 during the 1993 season. Sports Illustrated ran a cover story on Gooden entitled From Phenom to Phantom. During the strike-shortened 1994 season, at age 29, Gooden had a 3-4 record with a 6.31 ERA when he tested positive for cocaine use and was suspended for 60 days. He tested positive again while serving the suspension and was further suspended for the entire 1995 season. The day after receiving the second second suspension, Gooden's wife Monica found him in his bedroom with a loaded gun to his head. In July of 1995, the famous long-standing Dwight Gooden Times Square Muriel was replaced by a Charles Oakley Muriel. The Dwight Gooden Muriel was a part of the New York City landscape for over 10 years. Gooden did have another spell in the majors, which I'll touch upon later in the episode, but for all intensive purposes, Gooden's career was over. On February 20th, 2002, Gooden was arrested in Tampa and charged with driving while intoxicated, having an open container of alcohol in his vehicle, and driving with a suspended license. He was arrested again in January 2003 for driving with a suspended license. And on March 12th, 2005, Gooden was again arrested in Tampa for punching his girlfriend after she threw a telephone at his head. He was released two days later on a misdemeanor battery charge. On August 23rd, 2005, Gooden drove away from a traffic stop in Tampa after being pulled over for driving erratically. He gave the officer his driver's license, twice refused to leave his car and then drove away. The officer remarked in his report that Gooden's eyes were glassy and bloodshot. His speech was slurred and a strong odour of alcohol was present on him. Three days after the traffic stop, Gooden turned himself into the police. You might find yourself wondering how many times can a man get arrested, but Gooden was arrested again in March 2006 for violating his probation after he arrived high in cocaine at a scheduled meeting with his probation officer. He chose prison over extended probation, perhaps in the hope that incarceration would separate him from the temptations of his addictions. On April 17th... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, 
Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 2006, he entered prison. On May 31st, Gooden said in an interview from prison, I can't come back here. I'd rather get shot than come back here. If I don't get the message this time, I never will. Gooden was released from prison on November 9, 2006, after nearly seven months incarcerated, and was not placed on further probation. On the morning of March 24, 2010, Gooden was arrested in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, near his home, after leaving the scene of a tra traffic accident, having been located nearby and found to be under the influence of an undisclosed controlled substance. He was charged with a DWI with a child passenger, leaving the scene of an accident and other motor vehicle violations. Gooden was also charged with endangering the wel welfare of a child because the child was with him at the time of the accident. He later pled guilty to child endangerment, received five years probation and was or ordered to undergo outpatient drug treatment. Gooden was again arrested for cocaine possession in New Jersey on June 7, 2019. Gooden had been stopped by police for driving too slowly and having illegally tinted windows when they discovered two bags suspected of co containing cocaine. Gooden was charged with possession of a controlled substance, possession of drug paraphernalia and driving under the influence and faced up to five years in prison if convicted. And the final arrest of note, yet another arrest for driving while intoxicated, occurred on July 22nd, 2019, this time in Newark, New Jersey. Gooden had been due in court to answer for the cocaine possession arrest in June, the day after his arrest in July. Sadly, he seems unable to get his life back on track, and I suppose we wish him well for the future. Um, in contrast to Dwight Gooden, not contrasted but Daryl Strawberry also encountered a number of issues over his career so in 1987 Strawberry hit 39 home runs and stole 36 bases joining the exclusive 30-30 club at the time becoming only one of 10 players in baseball history to accomplish defeat in addition to that he hit 31 doubles and drove in 104 runs despite this the 1987 team missed the playoffs In 1988, Strawberry once again hit 39 home runs to lead the National League. He also drove in 101 runs and led the league in slugging percentage. He finished a very close second in MVP voting to Dodgers' Kirk Gibson. Strawberry led the Mets to the playoffs, losing to the Dodgers in seven games in the National League Championship Series. In 1989, however, Strawberry's offensive numbers declined. He had 29 home runs and 77 runs batted. Nevertheless, the Mets came in a close second place to the Chicago Cubs in the National League East. In 1990, Strawberry re rebounded by hitting 37 home runs while driving in 108 runs. His Mets, however, came once again in a close second place in the NL. East, losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates by three games. Strawberry himself finished third in MVP voting that season.
Strawberry signed as a free agent with the LA Dodgers on November 8, 1990, inking a lucrative five-year, $22.25 million contract. In California, he was named Big Brother of the Year for 1991, after hitting 28 home runs and bringing in 99 runs batted in a successful first year for the Dodgers. Injuries and personal problems kept him sidelined for most of the next two seasons, hitting five home runs in each season. By the end of the 1991 season, he had 280 lifetime homers at the age of only 29, drawing comparisons to home run king Hank Aaron. Strawberry's numbers tailed off considerably after 1991. Over the next two years, he only played in 75 games. In 1994, he was released in May by the Dodgers after failing to show up the game. Later that season, he signed with the San Francisco Giants, where he saw limited playing time as, they, as he tried to make a comeback. Hitting only f- four home runs and driving in 70, 17 runs that year. Goodwin was suspended for the entire 1995 season, owing to cocaine use. On December 19, 1995, Strawberry was charged in California for failing to make child support payments. When he missed the June 5th, 1996 deadline to pay the child support, a Los Angeles judge set a trial date of July 17th, at which time Strawberry agreed to use his signing bonus to pay the debt. In August 1998, Strawberry was sued by attorney Robert Shapiro for failing to pay $100,000 in legal fees dating back to 1994 when Shapiro represented him in a contract with the Dodgers. On October 1st, 1998, Strawberry was diagnosed with colon cancer. Two days later, he had a surgery to remove the tumour and 24 inches of his colon. On October 14th, doctors announced that cancer had been detected in a lymph node, so he would also have to undergo chemotherapy. On April 3rd, 1999, Strawberry was arrested in Tampa, Florida, for, lic- for soliciting sex from a policewoman posing as a prostitute and for having a small amount of cocaine. On April 24th, he was suspended for 140 days by Major League Baseball for the incident, and on May 29, he pleaded no contest to the charges and was sentenced to 21 months probation and community service. On July 28, 2000, a CT scan suggested that Strawberry's cancer had spread to his lymph nodes. The next month, he also had surgery to remove a tumour near his left kidney. On September 11, 2000, in Tampa, Strawberry tried to drive to see his probation officer after taking painkillers. While driving, he blacked out, rear-ended another car and then tried to drive away. An off-duty police police officer witnessed the episode and arrested him at gunpoint. The next day, Strawberry admitted to the charges and his probation was changed to two years of house arrest. On November 21st, he was sentenced to a year of probation and community service. And in October of 2000, Strawberry left a Tampa drug treatment centre to use drugs with a female friend, violating his house arrest and parole. In November... He was sentenced to 40 days in jail jail with a credit for time served. In November of 2000, Strawberry told a judge in Tampa that he had lost his will to live and had stopped chemo. On November 30th, he was released from jail and sent back to rehab. On April 2nd, 2001, Strawberry was arrested for again disappearing from his house 
Arrest Drug Treatment Centre in Tampa. And on May 1st, he was sentenced to more time at a drug treatment centre. On March 12, 2002, Strawberry was back in jail for violating several non-drug rules at the drug treatment centre, where he was on probation in Ocala, Florida. On April 29th, he was ordered to serve the 22-month suspended prison sentence from 1999, and on April 8, 2003, he was released from prison after 11 months. In September of 2005, Strawberry was charged with filing a false police report after he claimed his SUV was stolen. He admitted that he had lied in the report, but was not arrested because it was a misdemeanour. Strawberry has described himself as having struggled with sex addiction. After retirement, he admitted to having routinely had sex between innings of Major League Baseball games in which he played. In a more positive note, though, however, to the end of the good story, I suppose, Strawberry has made a new life for himself as an evangel- evangelical, born-again Christian. He now resides in St. Charles County, Missouri, with his third wife, Tracy, whom he met in a drug recovery convention. The couple were married in 2006 and have since founded the Daryl Strawberry Foundation, an organisation dedicated to children with autism. Strawberry's son, Daryl DJ Strawberry Jr., born in 1985, was a star shooting guard with the Maryland Terrapins men's baseball team, basketball team rather, and was drafted by the Phoenix Suns in 2007. Strawberry has another son, Jordan, who played college-based basketball for the Mercer Bears. The last dance, I suppose, for Strawberry and Gooden, and it would be something I'd be remiss to not mention, did come from the crosstown rivals, the Yankees. Gooden signed with the Yankees in 1996 as a free agent, and after pitching poorly in April, and nearly getting released, he was sent down to the minors, where he worked on his mechanics and was soon returned with a shortened wind-up. Darrell signed with the St. Paul Saints in '96 in an attempt to rehabilitate, and on June 2nd, the Saints faced the Dulit Superior Dukes at Wade Stadium, where Strawberry hit his first home run for the Saints. Soon thereafter, he found himself back with the Yankees, who, he si- who signed him on July 4th, 1996. And while... Neither men ever truly returned to the former glory. There was glimpses of both and kind of as to what both men could have been if not for drug abuse, alcohol abuse, various other factors. Um, But that, I suppose, in short, is the story of the 1986 Mets, Daryl Gooden and Dwight Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Two men who ultimately paid the price for the culture in baseball in the 80s. Um, But look, that's the end of the series. That's the final chapter. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you didn't, if you did, just let me know. Leave me a review. And make sure to check out the mid-season slump for all the other productions. So the Ball Bags podcast, the Irish NRL show. And there will also be other works upcoming in the future. Thanks for listening. Safe in. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.